Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your pods. There's a reason why so many parents have decided to change the way that they parent because either they didn't get served in the old school parenting way, or they feel that there's something better for their child as they continue to grow, as they continue to become, you know, the better versions of themselves. Like this is why parents are going in this direction. Hey friends, welcome back to the Joyful Courage podcast, a place where we tease apart what it means to be a conscious parent and a conscious human on the wild ride of parenting. I am your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline lead trainer, parent coach, and mom walking the path right next to you as I imperfectly raise my own two teens. Joyful Courage is all about grit. Grit stands for growth on the parenting journey, relationships that provide a sense of connection and meaning, and influential tools that support everyone in being their best selves. Today's show was recorded last year, and the content is still so potent today, especially as many of us are navigating our kids back in full-time in-person school. I am confident that you will love it. Also, if you're not already on my email list, I want to remind you again to join. I pop into my subscribers inbox with stories, podcast news, and offers just about every week. My hope is to make you laugh or at least feel validated and keep you updated on all the Joyful Courage goodness. If you're into it, go to joyfulcourage.com slash email and sign up. Signing up now will get you the seven tips for connecting with your teens. Seven tips over seven days. If you put them into practice, they will make a difference in your relationship with your kids. Each day you will get an action step and bonus encouragement for all of you overachievers out there. Again, that's joyfulcourage.com slash email. Sign up and stay more connected. Enjoy the show. My guest today is DJ Johnson. D'Antoine Johnson is a husband father, author, mentor, coach, counselor, and sports statistician. He grew up in the Indiana foster care system, and yet despite that, has gone on to lead a successful and fulfilling life. Before spending nine years in the foster care system, DJ suffered child abuse, domestic abuse, 
and emotional trauma. At one point, he wanted to end his life, but he realized that he was on this earth for a purpose. DJ fulfills that purpose by using his experiences not only to help establish relationships with the students he serves, but he helps parents better connect with their teenagers. DJ specializes in helping parents bridge the communication gap between them and their child to ensure that their child has room to be the best versions of themselves. Hi, DJ. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It is an honor and a privilege to even be invited to talk parenting is so surreal for me. And we're going to get into that today, I'm sure. So thank you so much. <laughs> yes, of course. It is my honor. I'm really glad that you wanted to come on. So your childhood story, I want to start by saying that the more I kind of explored who you were through your website and your social media presence, the more I just would imagine little DJ and wanting to wrap him up in my arms. Um I'm so sorry for the adversity you faced. No child should have to face that kind of adversity. Can you take us on a journey of how you moved from so much challenge into the resiliency and purpose that you have today? Yeah, so I, for a long time in my teenage years, into my young adult years, did not believe that the struggles and triumphs and trials and different things that I had in my childhood um, was for anybody else's understanding or knowledge. Like I always thought that that was my pain, my struggles, things that I was to deal with internally. Um, and it, it wasn't until I started working with students um, in a mentor capacity at the high school level that I really understood that there was a reason for me to have gone through those trials and those tribulations. Um, and some of those things I said, I, you know, as you mentioned in the, the bios that I was in the Indiana foster care system, but, you know, a lot of people get this idea that when you're in the foster care system, it's kind of worse than what you had to experience before you got into the foster care system. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, unfortunately for me, I had a better situation in my foster care life um, than I did going into it. And, there is a study called the Average Childhood Experience, the ACE mm -hmm. study, and um, I scored a 10 on an ACE score mm -hmm. um, with all the trauma that I had experienced probably before I was in the eighth grade. Wow. And so um, when you go through all those different things, the first thing that you know I think about often is it, it just seems when you're going through it, it just seems like normal like it's a normal thing um it just seems like this is just the way that life is like this is how our parents handle themselves and this is how you know we're treated when we do something wrong like that's kind of how you start to portray it and then it didn't start to be something that i now deem as abnormal until i started studying trauma and i started studying child development and i started you know understanding like whoa that wasn't normal <laughs> that mm -hmm. what you went through wasn't uh what you were supposed to go through and so then there was a step for me to get to a healing journey um because what i had dealt with in my childhood started to spill over into who I was becoming as an adult. Mm -hmm. So whether it be in my relationship with my wife now, who we're, we're going to be celebrating seven years in a couple of weeks or a week from Sunday. And then, or when my son was born in 2017, where I was, you know, certain things started to come up for me and I'm like, whoa, okay, what's happening here? 
Mm-hmm. So literally within the last two or three years, I went to therapy and just started to unpack and started to really kind of understand, you know, why I went through all those different things in my childhood and how I could now use that for the greater good. Um, and so that is kind of how I moved yeah. <laughs> from the struggles and the, tri- you know, the trials um, to now being a person who can post certain things and encourage people and push parents to ultimately be their best selves. I just posted, I think today or maybe yesterday, like the reason why I post the things that I do on my parenting IG page is like, it's not because I want to, you know, rectify things from my childhood is because students, kids today are still dealing with things that I had to deal with in my childhood. Mm-hmm. And that's unacceptable. And so for me now, it's like, using that voice that I now have to help parents out there who just don't understand, who just don't get what they're even doing to their kids mm-hmm. and really helping them like be in a better position to really allow their kids to to live a life that they're, they deserve. Yeah. Yeah. So many, so many <laughs> questions in my head right now. <laughs> well, and like, because I think there's, you know, there's the, Uh, like quote obvious things that are off the mark that are hurtful and then there's subtle things that you know many we don't need to have an ace score of 10 to have experienced subtle things that grew our sense of self into one of you know perhaps questioning our worthiness or belonging so I I just I love your message it's you know once I found I don't know how I discovered you but I started following you and I just really appreciate the way that you use your platform and and I love that it comes from this place of the youth that you work with yeah what drew you to working with young people in the first place? Yeah. So out of high school, I always wanted to get into sports. It was just kind of my default. I was, mm-hmm. I was a decent athlete, but I knew I wasn't good enough to be a professional. So I was like, okay, what's next? And for me, I always wanted to be an athletic director. And so mm-hmm. I got into, you know, going to school for that, for sports. Um, And while I was in school, I got this opportunity to work. My first job working with students or youth was actually at the elementary level. I was um, hired to be like an after-school program leader, I guess you can call it. Oh my God, Uh, I bet they were just all (laughs) over you. For like fourth and fifth graders. (laughs) So I, you know, was jumped into that, had so much fun. I was a kid myself when it, when it mm-hmm. came to that job and I loved it. Um, and then I ent- ended up from that job um, going off to college. So I had mm-hmm. to um, step down, but it was able to find an opportunity, you know, near my college where I was still working in the recreational after school program. And so I did that for a couple of years. And then it wasn't until 2014 where I was at a crossroads of like, okay, are you going to do this sports thing or is there a different path for you? And lo and behold, I wasn't able to jump into the sports things as I was trying to. I just finished the uh, internship at UCLA and I was applying to all these jobs all across the country, trying to work at, uh, a, you know, a college program and it just didn't happen. And so, you know, I pray, I did a little, you know, things to kind of help me. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is it that you want me to do? Like, I don't know what you want me to do. Uh, and so it was revealed to me, like, just open up my, you know, job search, like apply to, 
whatever job opens up, don't just focus solely on sports. So the first job that I ended up seeing was this job for as a professional youth mentor uh, mm -hmm. for fostering probation youth. And I was like, whoa, that's dope. Like I could totally do that. So mm -hmm. I applied, ended up getting the job literally a day before my wedding. <laughs> and wow. yeah, just totally um, got it and was just fell in love with it. And so literally not even a month into it, it was at a nonprofit. I originally thought the job was going to be 40 hours a week. It was only 30. So I was like, all right, well, I'll take it anyway, just because, you know, I love, you know, this job and the description of it. Not even a month into it, you know, they discovered my work ethic, discovered my heart for kids and ended up filling those last 10 hours to make me full time to do like um, more like group work, counseling type work um, on a different scale. And so I was like, OK, cool. So that's kind of how I got started at the level of like counseling, working with, mm -hmm. you know, high school students. And then the more I started working with students, they kind of wanted me to work with parents just because there was a need. Yep. And I was like, I never, <laughs> what am I, I don't need, at that time, I didn't have any kids. I'm like, what, what am I even going to tell these parents? And I don't have any kids. And I've had a parent in a group one time say, you don't have any kids. How do you know? Like how, you don't, you don't understand. And so, um, but what I really held my hat on was, I was very in tune with students. Mm -hmm. I was very in tune with the high school student in particular. Like I heard them, they, they, I was able to win them over. I, I have a reputation um, in a district that I contract right, with right now of like, you know, principals will call me and be like, Hey, I have a student. I think you could connect with them. Like, mm -hmm. like I get those type of calls. Right. So, mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, there's something there. Like, I need to be able to bridge this communication gap because parents look at students in one way and I'm talking to these students and I'm hearing their side of it. And so somehow, some way I got to be able to communicate that with parents. And so in the beginning, when I started doing parenting work as a non-parent, right. uh, I was just hanging my hat on, hey, I'm connected with these kids. I'm hearing what they have to say. Like, let me help you. And so that's kind of how it got started for me, you know, do working with high school students and then in turn working with parents through the lens and perspective of what I hear from students every day. Yeah, I love that. It's so interesting. I was just in a training this morning and we were as a bunch of parent educators and we were talking about all the, the kind of negative messaging sometimes that we get. Yeah. Or, you know, usually it's from dis parents that are already discouraged, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, or sometimes it's from our own head. And <laughs> yep. one of the things that came up with one of the parent educators was she has gone into this work and doesn't have kids of her own. So mm -hmm. that is something that I, I know can feel like they're from the parent side can feel like there's a little bit of tension there. I know for me, I niched into parents of teenagers. So I started when my kids were little and I, you know, my, my people were all parents of little kids. And then as my kids have gotten older, my niche has kind of <laughs> changed with where I'm at in my journey. But I remember a few years back, I had, was having a really, really tough time actually moving into the teen years. Yeah. And my listeners, they know this, they know the saga because I share <laughs> here on the podcast. But yeah. it really like sitting inside of who am I <laughs> to take money from people when mm. I can't even seem to get it together in my own house? Yeah. Right. It was such an interesting place. But then I realized because of the challenges that I lived mm. through with my 
with my oldest specifically, I'm an ever better parent coach for those yep. parents because I can say I understand where you're coming from because I've lived it. And it feels like with you having the level of connection with the kids that you serve, plus your own history of the experiences that you had, like you're the perfect person. You'd be the perfect person to be supporting the parents. So I'm just so glad that your employers were paying enough attention to realize, oh, hey, let's let's put DJ in front of the parents too and let him talk to the parents because man, those kids need all the support they can get. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Yeah, I um the biggest greatest compliment. I always say it because I just thought it was just so amazing. But I got a compliment from a friend of mine who's assistant superintendent, and he was like, you know, his compliment was, "You're one of the few people that I met in life, um, at least in this you know world, educational world, that can move students the way that you do, but can mm-hmm. also move a room of parents the way that you do. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't met a person who's been able to do that, and I'm like, okay." <laughs> You know, mm. I, I think I'm on the right path of who I'm supposed to be and the people I'm supposed to impact. Yeah, 
Yeah, love that. Thank you. So well, something that you recently posted that really caught my attention, I loved it, um, was on your Instagram. And you wrote, to the people who root against the new school parenting, it is not an indictment or an implication that you failed. Every generation is tasked to improve upon or make better what they inherited. Be honored that you gave us the ability to choose how we want to parent. That was such a powerful statement, DJ. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> what prompted that for you? I So a lot of my posts, um, so there's one post that kind of went viral for me on my Facebook page. Like, I think the last time I checked, 175 thousand people have seen it it's been shared wow. like two thousand times and it was the post of like three reasons why old school um why people can't let go of old school ways or old school parenting or something like that mm -hmm. and so there was obviously there's a lot of uh conversation and dialogue around that post um and one of the things that i kept seeing is like it it, it appears that the people who keep defending the old school way like feel attacked that we yes. new school people are like doing parenting this way. And I'm like, whoa, like, let's put this into the proper perspective. Like one, we are tasked to make things better that we inherit, like in mm -hmm. some way y'all made things better. And now we are in a position where we can make the, you know, things better for the kids that are going to come after us. And that's the first thing. The second thing is like, we have the opportunity to choose we this is the this is what you gave us like maybe yeah. you didn't have the ability to choose how you wanted to parent but now we have the opportunity to do that and we are exercising that and for good reason there's yeah. a reason why so many parents have decided to change the way that they parent because either they didn't get served in the old school parenting way or they feel that there's something better for their child as they continue to grow, as they continue to become, you know, the better versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. Like this is why parents are going in this direction. So for me, I'm so I, I can easily keep posting and calling out the old school way. Like <laughs> that's what my heart and spirit would like to do. But I don't know. In this post, I really wanted to be easy on them and just really help them understand like look this isn't about y'all like this right. is more about what we what we feel is a better thing for our children it's mm -hmm. not we're, we're not calling you out we're not saying you sucked we're not saying any of that we're just saying we think that this way is better for our kids and yeah let's put that into the right perspective and encourage us and push us and uplift us like i feel you know old school people are like, oh, I can't wait till you fail or I can't wait until they mm. you know, come home drunk and this and that or they start yelling at you. Well, I can't wait to see how you handle that. And I'm like, well, we're going to figure it out as we go. Yeah, we're going to talk it out. We're going to have a conversation around that. But thank right. you. Know, good, thank you for your whatever you just gave me. You think right. you're wishing me well, but you're really not. And so for me, it just this was supposed to be kind of like saying, Hey, let's, let's, let's call a truce, right? Like, right. I don't want to keep fighting with you. I don't want to keep posting the old school way was outdated. Like, I don't want to do that. Like I will give you space to acknowledge your old school way and please allow us the space to, and the great thing I, I'm stopping myself because for so many of us, this new school parenting way is just so new for us. So mm -hmm. yes, there's going to be bumps and bruises. Yes, we're going to struggle and mm -hmm. have, you know, trials like, but I think that's the beauty of it, like together, because when I think of the old school way, when we, 
when we well, require. Let me, let me stop you oh, for a second. So I know, like old school. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> I like you. it. But I just want to be. Dis- I want to distinguish. Like so, old school way. Are you talking more about like the behaviorist kind of model of parenting, where it's consequences, yeah. rewards? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. No, like, I knew you were, but I just wanted to yeah, no, throw I, it down I'm, for the listener. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely glad you made the distinction. Like the authority, authoritarian, right. my Model. way or the highway, Yep. it yep. should be seen and not heard. Like that's what I'm against for the right. most part. Yeah. But so when I think about the old school way, like it just, they, it was more about let's keep our child in line, not necessarily mm-hmm. what's in the best interest of the child. Right. Like let's keep our child in line and 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 kind of go down that path. And I think for us in a new school where it's like, no, we want our child to behave. Like we don't want our child to wild out. Right. <laughs> but we want to do it in a way that allows them to tap into their best self and their yeah. values. Like we want them to like operate in that, not be forced to be that, if that makes sense. So uh, I could go on and on. You know yeah. I mean? <laughs> well, what I'm hearing too is like creating space for our kids to be their best selves. And and when, you know, when there's a moment of yeah. correction or redirection, it happens in a really respectful way where yeah. everybody is treated with dignity. Yeah. Right. Perfect. That's how I think about it too. And I, I know too, cause so I'm a positive discipline trainer. Mm-hmm. That's the program that I'm trained in and trained parent educators inside of. And one of the pillars is being kind and firm. And I, I'm not a mm. huge fan of the word kind because I feel like it gets translated into being nice all the yeah. time. And I think that kind of misses the mark. When yeah. I think about kind, I think about connected, right? So being connected and firm, like those both and of, I'm going to put up some guardrails yeah. that are going to be supportive of you. And as you learn and grow and develop, the guardrails are going to move. The yeah. space is going to become bigger for you as you develop skills. And I feel like that's a new school, that's new school parenting as well. And yeah. When you say it's new for us, I, that makes me feel like, yeah, because there are not really great models of kind and firm leadership anywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. we're doing this thing and we're doing our best. And I think for some of us, if if we've been raised inside of a system, whether it's a family system or a foster system or, or a cultural system that has really leaned on firm then we and and we know like i am i'm gonna do it differently i think there's a tendency for a lot of us to swing way into kind oh yeah right and so it's it's and i'm speaking it because i know i have so many clients and parents that i work with that are like okay again let's talk about what the both and of these two things look like because it feels challenging to yeah. to hold both of things these things at the same time especially when we are working with whatever the conditioning is that lives inside of us you know you talked about going on your healing journey and i think that's you know so important i talk about parenting as the lifelong personal growth and development workshop that you didn't yes. realize you signed up for <laughs> exactly <laughs> and yes. there's those of us that are like okay i got to work on myself so that i can be this parent that I want to be. And then there's, you know, well-intentioned loving parents who are like, I'm going to do it differently, but miss that. It starts with me piece and it's really challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it just, 
I, and I think for me in the beginning, um, because I didn't go into therapy until after my son was born. Mm -hmm. And so in the beginning, there was some things coming up for me that I didn't fully recognize or notice at first. And my wife, thank goodness, who was training to be a therapist, was oh, kind of- God bless, God bless you for living <laughs> with a student therapist. <laughs> She was, you know, pointing things out to me and I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah, so for yeah. me, like I, I knew, and even now, like when I struggle with certain things as um, a father to my son, like I, I, it always goes back to, okay, what is there for you, DJ? How can mm -hmm. we process that? And then if I really can't process that in a moment, I remember it, file it, and I take it to my therapist and then we process it together, um, which has been so helpful. So even yesterday, right? So my son was home from school. I kept him home the past couple of days and he, um, I had fell asleep. Is he five, four? He's, yeah, four. He's four. Four, okay. So he, he, I fell asleep on him and he was just kind of playing and doing his thing. And so I wake up and he, we just got on this new like pizza toy and he ripped the pizza box up and he crumbled up all the cash. And so I'm like, what, what is happening? Like, we just got this toy. Like the, the first two days he was putting everything back on need and putting everything right in this category. And I'm like, okay, some happened that you know i just don't know what but right now i'm upset that you messed this toy up so mm -hmm. we're going back and forth and he's yelling and you're a bad daddy and i don't know me and my wife was like i don't know who has been calling my son bad or what video he's been watching because he it doesn't come from us so we were right. like having a conversation around that but he's yelling and so fast forward i have to mom comes home I have to leave to go to the church. And before I leave out the door, he's like, daddy, wait, I want to give you a kiss. Mm. And so I'm like, imagine I'm, I'm, I thought about the situation. I'm like, okay, how had that gone? If I reacted, how my parents would have reacted to mm -hmm. what he had did, which was a smack in the face, a whooping with a belt, like all mm -hmm. these different things that I think hinder and hurt the relationship. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm like, no, that is what I'm working towards when it comes to my son at the very minimum is, how can I make sure that even through discipline, even through being firm, how can mm -hmm. I keep that relationship intact? And yesterday was a perfect example of how I was able to do that. Now, mm. <laughs> hopefully I can have more examples of that. But it, oh, it I'm sure yesterday. that you will. The opportunities are endless. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I have a story too. So my son is 15 mm -hmm. and he, and I asked permission after this happened, I said, can I talk about this on the podcast? And mm -hmm. he said, yes. <laughs> and so, you know, as they get older and those of you that are listening with teenagers, the, the phone screen time struggle is just continuous. It just, it, it exists. And so I have spoken at length about, you know, the things that I like, I like to create boundaries like within you know with the wi-fi like i set up the wi-fi mm -hmm. so it turns off at a certain time i set up the phone so i have a password there's a certain limit when the limit is met it gets turned off i like to take myself out of it as much as possible and just automate right and then there's less back and forth there's less mm -hmm. me you know give it to me and i you know i feel pretty good about it we talk a lot about screen time it's not a big dramatic thing at our house i am probably more strict than some and much less strict than others. And I just recognize that's where I'm at. Yep. Anyway, I'm trying to figure out. So we have iPhones and, you know, I kind of was feeling like I wish I could. There's something I'm missing with this screen time limits because I keep setting the limits. 
but it's but it doesn't seem to be working the way I want it to be working. And this has been happening for a little while. And then my son recently, um, he plays basketball and he rolled his ankle. So he was home doing nothing. Mm. And so the screen time was off the charts. And I was like, what is going on? Why is this not working for me? And I was like, you mm-hmm. know what? I'm going to start over. I'm going to try a new password. And as soon as I created a new password, I thought to myself, I wonder if Ian knows the password. And so he was out with his dad and I sent him a text. I said, do you know the screen time password? And without missing a beat, he said, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, oh my God. I, he go, And then he was quiet on the text and then he wrote, are you mad? And I, and I mean, I was over here laughing and I said, I said, I said, I'm not mad. I really appreciate your immediate honesty and it's developmentally appropriate for you to, you know, to work, to figure out how to work the system. So no, I'm not mad. I set up a new password and, you know, we're going to tighten things up. But, and I was thinking about, you know, some of the conversations I've heard parents have around this and how Mm -hmm. easy it could have been to turn that into how dare you, Yeah, you've been lying to me, you've mm-hmm. been sneaky, this is what I'm now gonna do to you to yeah. make you pay for this. And it never even, like that, you know, my kid, we had more conversations about it and I said, well, how long had you you'd known? He was like, mom, I've known it for like a year. He's like, it's been really hard too because I've only let myself you know, push it so far because I didn't want you to get too wise, but I hated it when you would ask me about it. I kept waiting for you to just point blank, ask me if I knew the password because I would have said yes. And it was just this really light, connected conversation where I got to really celebrate who this kid is, mm-hmm. right? He He's a kid who wants to do the right thing. You yeah. know, he's a kid who wants to be honest. He's a kid who wants a little bit more screen time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> we all do. <laughs> but like you were saying, that could have gone a very different way had yep. I slid into a more reactive, controlling, mm. you know, response to that, to finding that information out. So, and and when I think about coming back to that post and mm-hmm. the new school versus the old school, you know, I it is generational, but I also receive discouragement from peers who haven't, who are stuck in that old school mentality, right? Because if I'm doing it differently and I'm promoting and inviting people to consider there might be a different way of being in relationship with their kids, it's triggering, Mm -hmm. right? Because what they hear is, oh, you're saying what I'm doing is not okay. And it's the same kind of response. Well, let's just see. Let's just see what happens with your kids, right? Yeah. Man, like, like I, I'm a big advocate when I work with parents, I say, look, I, I believe you got to look at this thing as a buffet. When you go to a buffet, yes. there's something there that you might want. There's something there that you might want. Like, you know, pick out things from the buffet into it. You find the perfect concoction that's going to work with your child. But to have this idea of like one parenting style is going to fix all of your issues as a parent. Like that, no. that for me, that's not realistic. And so for me, I'm I'm trying all these different things. I'm trying this way. Conscious parent. I'm, I'm trying, you know, mm-hmm. positive discipline. I'm trying whatever is going to help me find that perfect concoction for my child, which ultimately is not going to be perfect, but right. it's going to go in a direction where one, I want that relationship to be the vital, important thing that we kind of hang our hat on. And then I believe once that relationship is in place, then everything else tends to take care of itself. Yeah. And brain <laughs> development happens. Like, oh, you know, yes. that's what I talk about with parents of teenagers, right? It's like, 
you know, the parenting style, I think, is really influential on the relationship that you have with your teens. But it does not it does not prevent what is very typical brain development. Right. That's happening no matter what kind of parent you are. And I always laugh, too, because it is really wonderful having open, honest relationships with my kids. My kids tell me everything Mm -hmm. almost. And it is really hard also because I get to hold you know, just because they're telling me everything doesn't mean I'm like, mm. you know, some of the things are usually, you know, can be, oh, guess what I did? I have to tell you what I did, you know, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> OK, let's talk more about that, yeah. you know, but I think that the biggest piece for me, especially with the teen years and for parents who who start young, like like we did, like you mm-hmm. are, you know, and you move into adolescence and there is this expectation of, Okay, good. Well, our adolescence is going to be easy peasy because we have this great foundation. And mm-hmm. and sometimes maybe sort of and the terrain changes. The terrain mm-hmm. is messy and sometimes treacherous, but the foundation of respect and dignity and relationship is where we get to hold space. Right? So, I want to yeah. talk about the parents you work with and the teens, you know, cuz you're working with parents of teens, mm-hmm. where do you notice their, in the parents that you serve, where do you notice their conditioning coming to the surface and how do you support them in recognizing that that's what's happening and to be willing to release that grip? I think there's two big things that I think come up for them. Is The, the first is the respect piece factor. Mm-hmm. Like they, oh my goodness, parents get so up in arms and like, they don't, they so disrespectful and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, when you had years upon years of parents being blatantly disrespectful to their kids Mm -hmm. and just magically expecting that respect back, like a lot of the, (laughs) a lot of the things that I see when we parent in that way is like, it, it turns out to be a big contradiction. It's like, you're not respecting your children Mm -hmm. and you expect them to somehow go out into the world and respect adults Mm -hmm. it is like the best way that i've seen teens start to respect adults is that they the the adult models and shows what respects look like Mm -hmm. and so having a conversation around that like ah man you get the old give you gotta give respect to get in it's just like Mm -hmm. no i think that's you know, an outdated model of like, we really got to model what that looks like. Cause you, mm-hmm. as a parent who's constantly yelling at their kid, eventually your kid, your kid's going to tune you out. So any lesson that you try to teach your kid is going to fall on deaf ears. Cause you've been yelling and, you know, pointing out their flaws and doing all these different things to them for all these years. If there's some, think about this. Cause a lot of times I have to, I'll post perspectives of a child parent perspective and really put it into an adult to adult perspective. Cause somehow a lot of parents out there really feel like it's different when it comes to a child and an adult. So when we think of an adult, let's say your boss, imagine your boss coming to your office every single day and saying, Hey, that report wasn't good enough. Hey, this wasn't done right. Hey, why don't you do like, imagine like eventually you would want to lock your boss out of your office. (laughs) Eventually you would want to not, hear that. That's the same thing with our teenage kids. So when it comes to respect, modeling, doing all those different things, like you got to show how to do that through your actions. And then your child is like, okay, 
okay, I, I get what they're trying to say. They've been telling me this. I kind of tuned them out, but I, I see what what they mean by respect. Because when I mean, my son is four now, but like with him, I'm like, hey, I didn't yell at you. I didn't mm -hmm. say anything. But like I kind of remind him, I'm like, hey, I've been showing you respect. Like this is what it looks like. Like let's 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 match energies. And same with the teenagers. When I work with teenagers, like I went in the old school way when I first started working with teens and try to demand respect and all that stuff. And I've, I've recognized quickly, like that wasn't going to work if I was going to win them over. And so I, you know, shifted to, okay, let me respect these young adults. Cause ultimately they're going to be that within the next four years. And it really changed the game for me. Mm -hmm. And it really opened up a world for me with teens. And I was just like, Oh, Oh, I get it. You guys are just misunderstood. Yeah. <laughs> and you, yeah. Yeah. And there's so much, there's so much messaging around teenagers that is so disrespectful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's no wonder they're giving us the middle finger. I mean, <laughs> like, of course, we're yeah. telling them, you don't know, you yep. don't have any perspective, yep. you know. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. And I think that in and of itself is such an interesting place to to dig around in because so I have my oldest ended up um, dropping out of school at mm -hmm. in 11th grade and she got her GED and she's now in trade school. Mm -hmm. um, but in the moment, right, again, I'm a parent educator. Yeah. I'm also <laughs> college graduate. I'm like, what the fuck yeah. is happening right yeah. now? <laughs> um, and in the moment, it was really hard for me to to trust that she 
could see beyond the next day. And whether or not she could see beyond the next day, she was deeply invested in her own self-preservation. And that's when when I was able to let go and trust like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stay co-pilot, mm-hmm. but I'm going to let her fly this plane mm-hmm. and, and allow her to really, you know, carve her path on her terms. And it changed everything. Yeah. Now, I don't think that every kid who threatens to drop out of school needs to actually drop out of school. But for yeah. us, it was something that has played out so far in her best interest. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, again, coming back, that is not that is a new school parenting model that I mean, I think about <laughs> had, had, had she had my parents like, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, I don't know what would have happened to her because that yeah. would have been that wouldn't have even have been an option. Yeah. So it's interesting to think about that. But the more, you know, and just working on just really being respectful of the fact of the idea. Right. Yeah. I'm not gonna say the fact, but the idea that she does have a vision that our teens Mm. can see beyond the next day and they do have perspective and also remembering too that it is so much more powerful for them to learn through experiences and making decisions and making mistakes and falling down and getting up than it is to have some adult telling them what to do how to think what's going to happen right like it's Mm -hmm. such a more powerful experience for them to live through life versus us to tell them what life's all about because that's what has been happening for so much mm-hmm. of their childhood. And yeah. I think uh, one of the things I enlighten my parents as well is like, think about all the years that you parented a certain way. And if you didn't fully meet the needs of your child as they were growing up, whether they had a need of having more autonomy, whether they had a need of being more control over the certain decisions of their lives, they finally get to the teenage years where I think they are more confident in standing up for themselves. Maybe they oh, don't. Yeah, they're wired for it. I mean, <laughs> exactly. it's what ha- it's brain development. Yeah, exactly. for sure. And so it's like, I tell parents like, no, you need to look at that as a need for more control over their lives and work with them to figure out what that's going to look like. Mm -hmm. A lot of parents see that as, oh, they're threatening my authority or they're, you know, they're, you know, going against what I'm trying. And it's just like, no, like they're like you said, (laughs) they're going through the natural, natural brain development stage. Mm -hmm. And so this is why I get frustrated with parents who are like. Uh, there's no book on parenting and we're just kind of winging it. It's like, yes, that is true. But you'd be very naive to not know that there's research and understanding around your child and their development and their brain. So at the bare minimum, at least pick up a book and read on that. So Mm -hmm. all these different behaviors that you're getting upset about with your teen can make sense to you. Right. (laughs) Right. And then we don't have to take it so personally. That's what I love about it. That's the part right there. That's so true. I love that. Yeah. I always bring it back to relationship and sometimes Mm -hmm. because we can offer tools and strategies and tips. And if the relationship is really frayed, then everything's going to fall flat. And so what are some thoughts that you have for parents who are finding themselves in a place where their relationship with their teen could use some repair? What does that look like for you when you're talking to parents of teens about repairing relationship? Yeah, I think it's first and foremost, the parent has to have a conversation about where they went wrong Mm -hmm. in the relationship. Like for me, I'm really big on self-assessing and really looking inwards and saying, okay, how did I 
do this situation? How could I have done it better? Um, I think when you can acknowledge that, then you can go into the conversation and maybe even starting it off that way, knowing our teens, knowing the egos that they tend to develop, mm-hmm. <laughs> we want to let them know like, hey, I, I messed this, this and this up. I could have did this better. Um, and I'm going to work towards that and, and and open up space to say, hey, what is it that you feel like you could do better if there's anything um, and just have a conversation. I, I, I say let's have more even conversations because I feel like so many of our conversations is one person is up here yelling down at the other person. And I'm like, let's bring our hands together and have yeah. even conversations where th- there's nothing there. You're, you're active listening. They're hopefully active listening. And we're having a conversation where you, your child now feels comfortable to come to you Casey and it's like we that's those are even conversations where they feel comfortable to come to you for certain things and we have to start there and you say look I messed up I'm going to continue to work towards this and I'm going to hold space and allow you to come to me when I fall astray like say hey mom you you know you said you would do this I I see that you're not you haven't been doing it and I'm like you know what thank you for calling that out this like this is not alien (laughs) you know dynamics conversation like these are Natural human, human interactions. <laughs> yeah. Have it with your teenager. It's okay. Yes, Bye. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I love, and I love that you went directly to accountability for the yeah. parents. I think that, you know, I don't think we can hear that enough or be reminded yeah. of that enough because typically if a relationship is frayed, yep. there are, there's two people that make yeah. a relationship. And exactly. by the way, everyone, if you're the parent, you're the adult, you're in relationship with someone who maybe has 14 or 16 or 19 years of life experience. They mm-hmm. are still learning from your example. And one yeah. of the one of the skills we all want for our teens is their willingness to take personal responsibility and accountability. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to do that until it's don't. modeled for them. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so guess who gets to model it? Everyone you do. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then from that place, yeah, I love that. And I think it's important to note too that sometimes, you know, when relationship has been tense and maybe you have shown up a certain way for a long time mm-hmm. and you decide, you know what, I'm I'm going to do the work. I'm going to make the shift. I'm going to try something different. Don't be surprised when your teenagers are like, this is a load of shit. Yeah. Because they aren't, they're not going to buy it. You've got to really prove that it's not just when times are easy or not just, mm-hmm. you know, if they immediately comply, it's really what you're committing to is not conditional to how your kids behave, which is kind of a big ask, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, you're committing to being in a respectful relationship with someone that you love. Yeah. And, and it's that- up to them to show up to it as they do. Yep. And it's going to take time, especially if you haven't been in a space where you've allowed this to happen. Like, I think some parents get into this and like, well, let me try it. And it doesn't work, you know, the first couple of days or, you know, weeks or whatever. And then they're like, okay, I'm over it. It's like, no, like think about all those years where you did it a certain way. Like your child needs to know that this is for real. And it's not as the kids say for play, play, (laughs) it's not, not you know, it's not a joke. Yeah. Right. Right. It's for real. You're saying committed. I love that. Um, DJ, there's like 40 questions that I didn't even get to (laughs) because it's so fun to talk to you. Um, You'll have to come back on. 
Okay. I have to come back on. Is there right. anything else though? I know there was a few other things that I wanted to cover, but for now, is there anything else that you want to share that would be useful for parents that are listening to take away? I just, I just think we have to really understand that in this, you probably heard this a hundred times, but I just want to affirm it for you again. Like this parenting journey is literally a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we forget that in our actions. Like we want things to happen in sprint mode and we have to understand, like, I think parenting is constantly planting seeds, Mm -hmm. especially doing it this new way. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like, cause we're like, okay, I'm planting a seed of calmness and patience and understanding. And I'm hoping and praying that, you know, this will rub off on my kid or whatever it might be. Like they will take that on into their spirit. So like, for me, it has really helped me to understand, like, this is a marathon, like mm-hmm. what I do now could potentially not work until five to 10 years from now. And I'm okay with that. Right. I'm going to say that again. Cause I feel like somebody might've missed it. <laughs> What I am doing now with my child might not work for five to 10 years. And I'm okay with that. That's what it means that this is a marathon, not a sprint. So that's the first thing. The other thing is there are so many parents out there like doing this journey with y'all and you are not alone. I think so Mm -hmm. many of my parents feel like, oh my God, like the first week that we do our groups uh, at the district that I work in, you can see the sigh of reliefs over the parents' faces when they hear all the other parents going through the same thing that they're going through. And it's like, yo, like you're not the only one. We are a community of parents trying to get this thing right. And what I know is that the parents that come into these groups feel so much better about having been in a community of parents like this or listening to podcasts or whatever it might be, just Mm -hmm. feeling heard and understood. It really makes this parenting journey a little bit better. Oh, it sure does. I'm so grateful for platforms like yours and for the Joyful Courage community, because I know that that is so... That gets stated all the time. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I'm not alone. Yeah. I'm not alone. So thank you for that. So my welcome. last question that I ask all my guests, DJ, mm-hmm. is okay. what does joyful courage mean to you? I was thinking about it. And when I think about courage, I think when you're initially jumping into courage, I think there's like fear behind it or it's like, it's this serious kind of like, okay, let's be courageous. Like, right. And when we add joyful to it, I think it's like, the excitement of like doing something that's ultimately going to end up in a good result. So like joyful courage to me is like, I am happily jumping out and, mm-hmm. and, and taking a leap towards something that I ultimately think is going to be a benefit to me and my family. And so, yeah, for parents who listen to your podcast or who are embarking on this new school parenting way, as I put up my air quotes, you're, you're, you're doing that in a happy joyful kind of way, knowing that this is going to benefit your child in in the end. Yeah. Awesome. Where can people find you and follow your work? Yes. So you can follow me on DJ Inspires Parenting. That is the page where I be snatching edges, like (laughs) they say. (laughs) And then, uh, or you can um, follow me on DJ inspires purposeful parenting on Facebook. Um, That community has been jumping a little bit for me lately. So those two places you can find me there. DJ inspires parenting is your Instagram. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Yes. Thank you. And you have a website. I do. DJ inspires.com. This information about me. I'm 
part, you know, I'm a motivational speaker as well. So yeah. if you have a, a kid's school and you want me to come speak to your students, you know, let me know, reach out to me. Awesome. And all those links listeners will be in the show notes. Thank yep. you so much for spending time with me today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, friends. I really hope you enjoyed this show. Don't forget, you can get the seven tips for connecting with your teens, as well as updates and offers from Joyful Courage by joining my mailing list, joyfulcourage.com slash email. Do it now so we can be even more connected. Also, be sure to follow me in all the places. I love connecting with you on social media. If you feel inspired and you haven't already, do me a favor and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. We are working hard to stand out and make a massive impact on families around the globe. Your review helps the Joyful Courage podcast to be seen by even more parents. If the review thing isn't your jam, just snap a screenshot and share it on Instagram or Facebook. Tag me, Joyful Courage, and I will repost it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, friends, take a deep breath. Ride it into your body. Find that balcony seat for perspective and trust that everyone is going to be okay. I'll see you again next week. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.